stunning results from B3 as Exchange Invest celebrates its 7th anniversary. India permits primary listings overseas. ESMA allows short selling once again, while CME offer a shock closure of their trade repository business. There's also surprise as Ashley Alder extends his tenure as Hong Kong's top regulator, while the CBOE has bought Virtue's former ITG Canadian ATS match now. Overshadowing it all, however, the Senate in the USA have passed a bill with worrying consequences for Chinese listings. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We begin this week with not so much a parish note as actually more an amusing PLY tale. Coming attractions, ladies and gentlemen, it seems I have finally made it to top-tier TV drama, at least momentarily. Devils is a big-budget Sky Atlantic financial drama series which has been sold to 180 territories worldwide, including the UK and the US, and features big-name stars such as Patrick Dempsey. However, coming soon to a screen near your TiVo will be one Patrick Young, who has a cameo role in at least two episodes. Naturally, having now made it to a Chinachita production, I have instructed my management to seek out some more meaty roles. Who knows, perhaps we can at least parlay this into co-hosting one of Italy's legendary spettacolo. That said, the clear deep in the money bet is that I will be back here next week presenting the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast as usual, Musing on how what was once 15 minutes of fame for the Andy Warhol generation is now a low latency sub 30 seconds in the modern digital age. The breaking news from the CME last week as fortunately the West Texas Intermediate contract actually managed to settle in an almost orderly market admittedly with incredibly low levels of open interest before the end of that contract's life. Rather the trade repository business. CME Group will close their European and Australian repositories, winding down Abide Financial and Nex regulatory reporting businesses, as well as their other European and Australian trade repository franchises by 30th November 2020. I fundamentally don't understand this logic. Could the CME management not even sell those? Let's face it, last week we were talking about IHS Market buying the Singaporean TR Katena. In terms of COVID this week, well, it's the Covidian China crisis that seems to have taken over. First up, Nasdaq were tightening their listing rules and restricting IPOs by Chinese firms in the wake of the Luck and Coffee disaster, amongst others. However, the ominous portents from the Senate this week was the bill that could delist Chinese companies from US stock exchanges. Instantly, the Chinese kicked into action. They've been urging firms to list in London in a renewed global push of that alliance. Well, meanwhile, the South China Morning Post was musing, will Hong Kong be the winner? Even the saber-rattling by the US will be sufficient to encourage listings in other international financial centres, presuming the legislation gets no further. Hong Kong and London will be the obvious likely beneficiaries. Reopening of the floor will take place next week after the Memorial Day long weekend into which this podcast is being recorded. 
The New York Stock Exchange will be reopening a socially distanced floor to go alongside various option floors. Already we've got Peacoast in San Francisco open, and also indeed the NICE Amex options floor is going to open alongside NASDAQ Philadelphia Exchange and various others. The simple fact though is, the New York Stock Exchange remains the iconic trading floor. Symbols matter. In a challenging period when some markets have lost credibility through omission, the physical nature of a floor adds the human face of trading. The physical nature of the NICE floor amounts to the epicentre of modern capitalist free markets. Seeing the bell ring at NICE above even a socially distanced group of brokers will be a major psychological fillip to the economy and also marks another moment for all the parish to applaud our overall remarkable uptime during the crisis, delivered by so many brilliant tech and ops staff across all of the leading exchange names of the parish. Reopening after the Memorial Day weekend will be a good time for the gastronomically inclined Stacey Cunningham and her team to raise a glass of milk in the absence of an Indy 500 winner and toast the return of this iconic venue, confirming what we have known in digital terms for the past 10 weeks. The world's best markets are open, trading and able to offer a full suite of services thanks to their digital excellence. In terms of results this week, all impressive. B3 were little short of spectacular. The Brazilian market recorded a 38.7% increase year on year, with EBITDA up 61.6%. The Warsaw Stock Exchange similarly impressed. They were up in the double digits, as was the Moscow Exchange, up 29.3%. Similarly, we saw good numbers from Indian Energy Exchange up 20% in the final quarter of their year and indeed a 54% explosion in consolidated net profit for the Bucharest Stock Exchange. Dubai Financial Markets finished the week's results with a profit jump of 24% in Q1. Excellent news all round. Deutsche Börse, they've said acquisitions are going to play a major role in their strategy. Theodor Weimar, in a prepared speech which was delivered to shareholders at its annual shareholder meeting, said the exchange operator would be presenting the strategy in the fourth quarter when the fog of the crisis has cleared up. That is, of course, the strategy which was flagged about three months ago to be delivered at the end of May, indeed next week. But now it's going to be put off towards, well, the end of the year. For today, said Weimar, just this much acquisitions will be playing a major role. Strategy postponed. Gutless, toothless, incapable or merely trying to avoid an announcement until CEO Theodor Weimer gets a rumoured role as not merely DB1's chief executive but the Deutsche Bank chairman. The other DB role seems to be off as we record this podcast because Weimer has stated he's very eager to manage to stay in post at DB1 until his retirement, which now marks very pleasantly a contract that will overlap beyond his 65th birthday. The truth is, by all means, DB1, keep the strategy secret, but please don't waste our time trailing something you cannot reveal. This farce has gone on for months and months and makes DB1 look ridiculous. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. 
deals this week. There were rumours that Abu Dhabi may be in talks with Dubai in order to financially support a bailout of the Emirate. That's been denied across the board and therefore presumably kills also the rumour which instantly rose to life of possible mergers between some of the Dubai bourses and the Abu Dhabi exchange. It was time for a repricing and debt issuance left, right and centre, obviously with the Federal Reserve underpinning the financial markets and particularly the credit markets. It's a time for cheap bonanza loans. Therefore, Intercontinental, they have priced $2.5 billion in notes. They're going all the way out to 30 years at a long-term rate, which is no more than 3% on the 30-year notes and 2.1% on the 10 years redeeming a 2.75% note which is expiring at the end of 2020. That tickles the yield curve neatly in favour of ICE and indeed various other parties have been doing the same this week including MSCI who priced somewhere around a billion dollars worth of unsecured notes due 2031. Elsewhere, the Canadian dark pool trading platform Match Now has been acquired by Chicago's CBOE. Vertu were looking to sell Match Now after their ITG acquisition, and after a few months shopping around, Cibo have bitten something which they can pay for with cash on hand, and it gives them a hefty alternative trading stake in Canada, and indeed a regulatory base that might be of interest too. It's a signed bolt-on for CBOE. Meanwhile, if you're looking for some reading during lockdown, if you're seeking inspiration in these hyper-volatile times for markets where career paths are often looking decidedly imprecise, I have a recommendation. If you're trying to get a handle on how technology is affecting life and markets, there's a new book to help you. 20 years on from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller Capital Market Revolution, it's time to look at some of those loose strands hanging around which need a spot of perspective. Whether you are an exchange practitioner, a fintech professional, or anybody just trying to stay abreast of where technology is now driving investments and finance. Victory or death, blockchain, cryptocurrency and the fintech world is an easy read, explaining the differing and diverging role of banks and exchanges, explaining the winning business models of the new world order, and placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency mean for markets. 70,000 words of pure play PLY pith, pacily discussing matters of moment and revisiting the original trailblazing first fintech bestseller, Capital Market Revolution, which when published in 1999 proved even if I say so myself, rather prescient. It's a binary world, ladies and gentlemen. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of the digital world. Hence the title, Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance and your career in which we are living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, after the podcast, try our podcast. IPO vid, in Patrick's opinion, comes to the small screen with a series of investor videos, including my guest star, Toby the Pug. In Cryptoland this week, CoinMarketCap have updated their exchange ranking system. An interesting update, it now includes web traffic. Curiously, that now means Binance ranks first. Why is it curious? Well, because Binance bought CoinMarketCap a few weeks ago, and now suddenly they seem to be coming out on top of the rankings. Elsewhere, Binance have registered some domain names with the Chinese government. Are they returning to China? Will that prove to be another location where Binance won't have an HQ? Elsewhere, Bitcoin derivatives exchange BitMEX has been experiencing technological issues and they've also found themselves on the receiving end of a lawsuit pending previous failures.
There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 US per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. Product news this week. HSBC, they lost about $200 million in one day on the gold market turmoil. There may be only four ways to get off many airliners and 50 ways to leave your lover, but there remain an infinity of ways your risk model can implode when markets are volatile. Here, HSBC demonstrates an issue in the gold market where they trade paper and had regional dislocations. At the same time, $200 million worth of losses really takes some efforts. New Marketplace coming to us on June the 1st. It's going to be the Small Exchange, which presumably has the manifesto song It's a Small World After All, licensed from Disney. However, their stunning news of the week is they're going to have connectivity to the hundreds of thousands of interactive brokers' users worldwide. If they price their data suitably aggressively, it ought to give them huge traction for their micro-sized exchange contract marketplace. The Shanghai Futures Exchange, they're going to be recruiting market makers to boost liquidity and NCDEX in India commence trading in India's first agri-futures index, the Agridex. One exciting piece of news from SEBI in India. The government there, they've scrapped a rule mandating firms must list in India first to go public overseas. That certainly looks likely to excite all of the major players in the stock market world who will be looking to list debt and equity on behalf of those Indian firms. In regulation news this week, ESMA, finally the EU blob once again endorses free markets until the next time there is a sell-off. Seven leading jurisdictions have terminated their short-selling bans. Elsewhere, the Chinese securities watchdog pledged to clean up financial markets. It's not the first time a Chinese CSRC chairman has said this, but I do believe it's the first time this chairman has said it. Elsewhere, in People News, exciting regulatory revelation, the top securities watchdog in Hong Kong, the SFC, has been, well, pleasantly the recipient of a reversal of Ashley Alder's decision to leave after nine years. The scourge of IPO sponsors in Hong Kong, as he's described by the South China Morning Post, will stay on for three more years as CEO of the SFC to maintain investors' confidence as the COVID-19 pandemic batters an already bruised economy. Ashley Alder presumably played a salary blinder. He was mentioned by Sky News in the UK as a possible UK FCA chief only last weekend. And with the corporate governance continuity card to play against a background of COVID-19 and the departure of Charles Lee as Hong Kong Exchange's CEO, Alder has effortlessly extended his nine-year term for another three years. Good luck to him. Elsewhere, Martin Jetter has been elected and confirmed as the new chairman of the supervisory board of Deutsche Börse. And ladies and gentlemen, in a week when the UK gilt market saw British government bonds being issued at a negative yield for the first time in their history, it's now costing you 0.003% to hold UK July 2023 gilts. This has been 
overlapping with news as the City of London and Canary Wharf prepares to see an influx of workers in the near future as offices are reopening. That indeed in the City of London, the square mile, they're looking to curb cars in order to aid social distancing. Given that congestion and narrow streets mean that the average traffic times in the City of London have perennially struggled to make it above the 9 to 12 miles per hour, which were prevalent when four-legged horsepower gave way to the automobile, one could argue regression to human transport in the square mile is not such a bad idea. And on that reflection on automotive transport against two-legged and four-legged horsepower, ladies and gentlemen, Thank you very much for listening. My name has been Patrick L. Young. This is the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We'll be back next week with all the best bits from the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, Exchange Invest. Have a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.